You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. This is number two on the week, and it's never felt less relevant to talk Yankees baseball. The sport is locked out. Europe is at war. Does anybody want this right now? I mean, sound off in the comments. You're going to tell us, right? What we'll know based on your feedback. But we do have a couple of things to talk about. Some developments in the world of Freddie Freeman. Are they going to affect the Yankees? Are they not? Well, the latest rumors indicate he's looking for something the Bombers can't or won't necessarily give him. We're going to dive into that. Some worrisome Jose Ramirez rumors. Again, more worrisome than Ukraine losing Chernobyl to Vladimir Putin. Probably not, but still worrisome nonetheless in the baseball context. And Joey Gallo on the shift. Is he right? Is he wrong? Or is he just the wrong voice a 213 strikeout man voicing the right commentary. We're going to break that down a little bit. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever your podcasts come from, wherever you get them, whatever your podcast app is. We will be there 
drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question in that review, and we'll be happy to answer it. You can also find us live on YouTube and Twitter, 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays. Typically this week, it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. Aren't there more Monday holidays than you remember? It certainly seems like they're piling up a little bit because uh, every day is still March 2020, so uh, I don't really know what day anything is anymore, but... Very happy to get back on that schedule that we're pitching to you. And during the season, if the season ever comes, we are going to be live more often than not after tentpole events, before tentpole events, come find us after, before big games. Hopefully the Yankees get back to winning some big ones soon enough. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. You want to start with Joey Gallo? Yeah. Uh, because I feel like it's just a it's it's a juicy topic of discussion for a for a Thursday afternoon. Yeah, I um, I'm not against it. I would I'm not going to fault people for saying that he's the wrong spokesperson for this. Uh, Bro Bible wrote something that I probably probably would have written when I was 24 years old. Joey Gallo <laughs> completely misses the point with comments about the shift in baseball. Oh, he struck out 213 times last year. He has a 206 career batting average. 1.5 visit bats per game don't even matter because of the shift. Well, okay, sure, you're right. Joey Gallo doesn't put the ball in play a ton. He strikes out a lot. He especially saw his all of his issues come come uh, you know, create some sort of a disaster, disastrous hurricane last year when he was with the Yankees. Um, and it all came to a head and you saw the worst of Joey Gallo. Um, so I do understand. So oh, this guy's talking about it. Okay. Why don't we have somebody else better talk? Well, who else is going to talk about it other than the guys who are most affected by it? Um, just so you guys know, you want to talk about batting average, which I still think is relevant stat. Many other people do not. And it's fine. It's a matter of opinion. There were 15 players in major league baseball last year that hit 300 or better 15. So batting average here really isn't like the the top asp- the the top part of the conversation. The shift has many other implications. Um, it has a mental aspect to it because now you're trying to change your approach as a hitter. You're trying to hit the ball to all fields. Some players aren't like that. Yes, is it smart for the other team to use the data that they have to figure out a player at the plate and make sure that they get an out? Absolutely, but. Joey Gallo, who's a pull hitter, has gotten, I don't want to say his average would have jumped up, you know, 40 points, but I think we could say yeah, Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn. I think we could say he would have batted 220 with, you know, a few more doubles in there or a few more singles. Um, and he was fair in his assessment. He doesn't think the shift should be banned. He just thinks infielders should not be also on the outfield grass. If you want to move, if you want to move the outfielders around, that's great. Then leave a part of the part of the other outfield open where apparently he never hits. So if you're not willing to risk that, then I don't know how you're willing to digest the argument that the shift is bad for players who are one dimensional. If you, the defense, believe that player is so one dimensional that you are willing to risk leaving an entire f- uh, the, and you're not willing to risk the entire other side of the field open, then don't take that risk. Then you don't think he's as one dimensional as he as as he actually is, or however you perceive him to be. So. Um, I, uh, it's a, it's, it's a tough conversation to have because the game has changed. Um, you don't want to be the old fart saying, Oh, we're not, we're not talking about these new developments to improve defensive metrics and to, you know, uh, make sure that, um, you're being the best you could possibly be and you're succeeding as uh, to the top, to the top of your abilities. Well, also another thing we forget is hitting a baseball scientifically 
is the hardest thing to do in sports. I think it's that and saving a penalty kick in soccer. Um, so mm. when you're adding in an element such as the shift where you're taking away a large percentage of the field where X batter hits the ball, you're making it exponential. You're making it nearly impossible for that hitter to do anything because it's already nearly impossible to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball mixed in with an 83 mile an hour curveball mixed in with a sweeping 94 mile an hour slider. So the people who are Boston strong, Oh, Joey Gallo of all people saying this is because he can't put it in play. All right, dude, say it to Joey Gallo's face and see what he thinks. Um, but the game is very difficult fans. We do it all. I do it all the time. I get mad for players striking out. I would strike out 10 times out of five. If I were to step into the batter's box for major in a, in a major league game. So it's incredibly hard. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things to discuss here. I think there needs to be some sort of amendments, um, with the defense taking a risk because the only risk they're taking is what leaving the third baseline open at this point, that that's pretty much it. Um, and, to- and who wants bunt? Nobody wants to bunt. Everybody yeah. wants your everybody wants your players to bunt until you actually see them bunt, and you're like, ah, my 45 homer guy just bunted. Yeah. That that sucks. Now he's on first. <laughs> he's slow. Like everybody wanted Mark to share it a bunt, like maybe one time, but like he hits 45 homers a yeah. year. Like you, you need you need him bunting. Mm-hmm. And all they're doing is taking a base away because if you're putting an extra out, uh, infielder in the outfield, you're trying to cut the gap there. Um, and t- so you're going to let him have a single instead of a double and you're going through all this work. I don't know. I don't know the solutions. I think, what did they start experimenting with that the infielders couldn't get off the dirt last year in the minor leagues? That was one of the, they're talking, they're talking about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, that that's closer to the solution for yeah. me. And, and so Gallo's quote, just so we have it is I get the defensive strategies. I do. I'm hundred percent not against that, but I think at some point you have to fix the game a little bit. I mean, I don't understand how I'm supposed to hit a double or triple, when I have six guys standing in the outfield. Now, that's sort of the important thing to me because, you know, again, the, the people who don't like Joey Gallo and don't like modern baseball are going to say, you're a strikeout artist. You know, you're worried about hitting doubles and triples. You hit 15 doubles in 2019. 2018, your full season, you hit 24 doubles. Last year, in 2021, this is why Joey Gallo is such a strange person to profile yeah. here. 38 homers for Joey Gallo last year. He had a terrible two-month stretch in New York, but an all-star first half in Texas. 38 homers on the year. 13 of them came in New York. How many hits do you think he had total, Thomas? 38 homers, how many hits? 92. 99 and 13 doubles. I mean, that the, the Gallo double number has to be 30, 35. It just, it just has to. So yeah. why isn't Joey Gallo hitting doubles? More people in the outfield, of course, is his theory. I understand that. But there are many layers to the shift, right? You want Joey Gallo to hit line drives. That's really all you want him to do. Well, what happens if he hits line drives in the outfield? They get caught by extra outfielders. Okay, easy solution. Fans go, just hit singles, Joey. Just hit singles. Well, the, he's lining hard singles towards the second base hole where there's a man in the outfield. Again, another man in the outfield. His line drives are encountering the glove of someone else who's never been there before. Mm-hmm. So after spending 22, 23 years of his life training to hit line drives hard, hit him through the hole for singles, hit him into the gap for doubles, hit him over the fence. Now the only proven, he's got more power than anybody else. So now all that makes sense is hit bombs. Yeah. Because nobody's catching my 450 foot homer. So why would I chance it? Why would I rip a shot into the hole 
for a single that the second baseman easily grabs and throws me out on? Why would I try to rifle one of the gap when the outfielders have moved over and an extra friend has joined them? If I could just hit a bomb over everybody's head, it's going deep. So not even indirectly, fairly directly, the shift is responsible for him swinging and missing more often because whereas young Joey Gallo is, we're not counting, we're not cutting the strikeouts in half. Yeah. Right, every version of Joey Gallo is striking out 170 mm-hmm. times at least. But young Joey Gallo might be hitting more singles to right, might be yeah. hitting more doubles into the gap, might be pulling more balls down the line. And now he's just looking right field towards the Yankee Stadium every time because he knows it's closer than any other fence I've seen, and nobody's going to catch it. There's not going to be a fielder sitting in the bleachers to catch the third out of the inning over the fence. So you start swinging and missing more, and you strike out 30, 40 more times a year. And that's modern baseball. Yeah. And you want to see, I was just, I was, when you mentioned his hits, I went to his baseball reference page right after. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Love the word interesting. interesting. It's always interesting. Um, 2015, when he debuted, but that was a small sample size, right? That was it. Let's go to 2017. 2017, when he debuted, he was pulling the ball 42% of the time, hitting the ball to center field 45% of the time, oppo 13% of the time. Since then, that has decreased to last year. It was 35% pull, 48% center, 17% oppo. So mm-hmm. he's clearly made an adjustment if we're to look at these larger sample sizes. And they fluctuated all throughout the years. The, the center, center, um, center field percentage largely stayed static between 40, 45. Oh, no. Yeah, it's been between 45 and 50%. Um, and the pull has been anywhere between 35 and 42% um, with 35 coming this past season. Um, So you have to probably assume the shift has forced him to approach the plate differently and in different at bats. And that has maybe increased his strikeout total. I understand that he's still, he's definitely a strikeout artist, but you know, you're looking at um, you're looking at the, he led the league. So, and, um, and you have to also factor in walks. We talked about, oh, is Joey Gallo like this valuable because he walks so much? Well, hey, if they're shifting against him in that capacity and he's looking for more walks instead of bunting or, you know, because he wants to wait for his pitch and he thinks he could beat the shift with a certain pitch that he gets, then yeah, you got to take walks. So it's another fact. And look, I've, I've, I was hard on Joey Gallo after that. 58 game cameo in the Bronx. I I was very displeased with it. Um, And now kind of magnifying this discussion a little bit more, it makes you wonder. It really does make you wonder how much a a hitter is affected mentally, how much it affects their off season preparation, how much it affects their in season adjustments. Things change. Things are complicated. So um, I look at that and it's clear that he's trying to do something and maybe it's not working. Um, or maybe it's not working to the capacity that he wants it to. Um, if I was the Yankees hitting coach, though, I would just tell him to hit strikes hard. Seriously. I think this is the only person it applies to. I'm not even kidding. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna say it. You, you only know person it applies it. to. Interesting. I, I, I will, you want, you want a plug here? I'll give you a mm-hmm. plug. Um, I am reading how to beat a broken game. The rise of the Dodgers in a league on the brink by Pedro Mora. It's an advanced copy because I'm an influencer. The book's not out yet, y'all, but they sent it to me. 
Um, and so they want me to talk about it. And so I will because it's relevant here. Uh, the book is great. Everybody should read it when it comes out. But it's ostensibly it uses the Dodgers to talk about modern baseball to say the Dodgers won the 2020 World Series. Congratulations to them. They have done the best job at assembling the best talent, but they are both creators and beneficiaries of a system that has devalued individual players, has forced other teams to stop spending, and has caused a focus on, uh, like like we just said, Gallo, you know, instead of three true outcomes, it's the one true outcome. Yeah. It's home runs are what get me paid. Home runs are what beat the defensive adjustments. There's nothing I can do other than hit home runs. And so the book is basically, look, nobody values analytics more than the Dodgers. The Dodgers have one of the biggest analytics departments of baseball, if not the biggest. We're at the forefront of everything, one of the smartest teams in the game. They are a unicorn. They have the financial reserves to take advantage of the rest of the league getting squashed by the same analytics. So players are hitting home runs because they want to be paid for hitting home runs. It's now the marketable skill. Um, And other teams at the, at at the, you know, at the fringes, like the, the pirates and and the Orioles and these lower teams are, are taking the wrong advice. They are tanking. uh, And they're also getting priced out of these markets because, uh, you know, players are, you know, currently valued at a different rate. People are unable to, owners are shirking free agency and the Dodgers are not. And analytics has created a free agent market where only a certain number of people are getting, you know, anything close to the requisite amount of money that they deserve. So all of this is to say that I think even the teams that are succeeding are acknowledging that something is broken here. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to come at Joey Gallo and say, well, just hit more singles, we'll just get more hits. Well, why don't you just strike out less? It's obviously not that easy. And, and Theo Epstein's quoted in the first few pages of the book saying, I know, you know, what went into all the work that I did. I know how I helped build a contender and I could do it again. But at the same time, I understand there are negatives that both aesthetically and financially involved in the game. Thanks to the innovations that I was a big part of. And there, there's a reason MLB hired him to try to make the game marketable and to try to make the game watchable again, because he in some ways is part of that problem. Yeah. So I just think it needs to be laid out that this is, you know, of course, Joey Gallo has a problem with this and you might find him to be the wrong face of this, but there's a reason he and so many others hit so many home runs now and do not do quote unquote, the little things that you miss so much from old baseball is because that's what teams focus on. And that's how players get paid. Uh, And again, people have innovated to the point where home runs are the only sure thing. You can tell people to hit singles all you want, but there's going to be a second baseman there. You can tell people to hit hard line drives at the gap, but there's, there's going to be somebody moving exactly where they shouldn't be. I just imagine Ted Williams getting frustrated by the shift. And again, they used to shift for Ted, by the way. Like, it's not like we invented the shift now. But again, it was like when, when they shifted for Ted Williams, it was one team being really annoying and him being like, gosh, darn it. And then he would go play the Yankees and they wouldn't shift. Like, that's not how – like, it, it wasn't league-wide. Yeah. It was somebody's strategy. Um, all of this is to say that if you think Joey Gallo is the wrong messenger – we understand, but at the same time, the fact that legitimate organizations like The Athletic that publishes peace on the shift are giving credence to maybe we don't ban the shift, but maybe we have to do something because maybe it's really unappealing to see a bunch of hotshot rips directly at a fielder in a place no one is used to. You notice, and this sounds so reductive, we can talk about this for like an hour because there's no there's still no news. I mean, Max Scherzer is forced. The AP calling out Max Scherzer for driving a Porsche is the other number one baseball Great. story. So what do you want us to do? Um, but 
you, you notice it. And I think, you know, the lay person notices it when you're watching a baseball game. You and I are 30 years old. We've watched baseball our whole lives. Uh, and, you know, somebody rips a ball up the middle. You're, there's 1.5 seconds before we cut to where the fielder is. Everybody knows what a single looks like. We've all been conditioned <laughs> to know what a hit looks like. So you rip up the middle and you go, God damn it. And it cuts to the fielder and he's right yeah. there. He's standing on second base. And, and there's he's fielding it like this is the most natural thing in the world. And, and there's a, a generation of people growing up right now that have no idea, uh, you know, what what a single looks like to us and, and how a hit looks like to them. There's just this cognitive dissonance in the camera work that you and I experience that people in five years are going to have no idea what we're talking about. But it's it's so funny to watch that play out every single day. Because every baseball game I watch, there's an instance where I go, another rocket up the middle. Oh, well, glad we put a man there. Not sure, you know, not sure why it took 100 years to come up with this, um, but glad there's a guy there. And, and it's just I'm reminded every time of that culture clash when I have that experience, which is, again, like two or three times. Per yeah, day. and then when you go to the game and you just you see the ball get right and you're like, great, he's fucking out. Like, awesome. He's right there. So it's, it's desensitized when you're watching it live in person and then you're watching it on TV. And whether you're you're on defense, you're like, oh shit, he just hit an RBI single. We're fucked. He tied it in the ninth. And then there's someone standing in front of second base, grabs it, throws it to first. And then when you're when you're when your team, you think you got a hit, it's not the case, and you're throwing your hat on the ground. Um, and uh, it, the other aspect here, I think we have to talk about is there's no reason for people to be mad about us wanting to alter or anybody, not us, because we don't matter. It doesn't matter what we want. It matters what the players want. Um, if any of the players want to alter the shift or anything of that sort, because there are no rules for the shift. It's not like we're going back in time and saying, oh, you know what? This rule's outdated. We're going to change it. We don't like it anymore. Oh, we put this rule in and now it's not really working out. We're not a fan of it. This is uncharted territory. This was never really mandated. Um, and that we've never seen this we've never seen this topic reach this magnitude until recent years um so and you want to talk about why maybe the owners aren't doing anything about it what you mentioned about the book is cuz it's devaluing players it's not making them mm-hmm. as the average annual uh, uh, don't quote me on this the average annual salary has gone down in i don't know what the time frame is um if i were to guess it's decreased in the last uh, 4 or 5 years um, we could fact check, um, when you're talking, I'll fact check myself, but, um, there's a reason <laughs> I'm never talking again. I'm <laughs> there, there could be a reason here and Hey, you, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I teeter on the border of conspiracies. If, if they, if they somewhat make sense, I'm not just going out on a limb, just yelling stuff into a void, but the owners don't want to pay for labor. We're watching it happen right now. We're watching them. We're watching them quibble over $10,000 in minimum salary when MLB has the lowest minimum salary of any sport, um, we're watching them not budge on an arbitration pool where if they just said, great, we'll do $60 million. That's $2 million per franchise. That's worth over. Everyone is worth over a billion dollars. We're seeing this happen in real time. And whether you think the players are riding too hard of a line here or not, this, this came down to the owners locking the players out, not, not submitting a counter proposal for 43 days, um, and this aligns with exactly what we're talking about. So look at that. Even when we're bored, nine to ten, nine a.m. to ten p.m. every day with no baseball news, and the AP calling out Max Scherzer for driving a car of his choice. Um, this comes Max full Scherzer's circle. Beautiful car leading the, the news, shift yeah. is suppressing wages. 
Should we do uh, another 45 minutes on Scherzer's car? What do you think the axles cost? I don't know anything about a Porsche. Can you buy those separately? I have no clue. Uh, I'll ask the AP. Again, nothing important going on in global politics. So we might as well ask the AP about Max Scherzer's cool whip and whether or not it's uh, something he should or should not be driving. And then not – I was joking. This is what Bill Simmons does. He laughs at a take and then does it for 45 minutes. I was joking about Max Scherzer's car, but now I do want to mention that Garrett Cole drove a rental car to camp today, and everybody did the opposite thing. Oh, Garrett Cole's too – he's so rich. Why does he have a rental car? Absolute idiots. You just – you are the dumbest. It was a Mustang. That's online. fine. He also lives in Connecticut, and the, the meetings are in what, Arizona? So you, you want Garrett Cole driving across the country and it, in his – you know, Garrett, his wife, and the baby just in his own personal Way car. Like, are you – you people really are the dumbest people on earth. I, I never thought I would experience uh, this level of stupidity. Jamie's log, progressive. The Harrington's backyard, day 27, 3.33 a.m. 3.33, all those threes mean something. Or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's backyard for 27 days now, proving that progressive has 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. Think I'm finally getting through to them. 3.33. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Enough car discourse. Um, But we are in an era of rule changes, right? Every rule change feels ridiculous until it happens. People are talking about the NBA right now. I mean, you're you're putting in the all-star game this you know target score for the ending and everyone's like that was awesome every game ends in a buzzer beater like are we just going to say that for the exhibition or are we going to actually consider that and at first blush everybody wants to say well that sounds insane why would you change the fourth quarter of the nba but the, the nba went like they didn't have the shot clock for many years they invented the three-pointer like five years before you and i were born and now both are cool now both are going. You ever watch the like 1980s, early 80s college basketball Crazy. national championships? The score is 47-45. If a team's up two and they have the ball with three and a half minutes left, they just dribble. Like this sport <laughs> is so dumb. It makes no sense. Like, imagine watching a basketball game being down two with four minutes remaining, and the other team has the ball, and you're like, we are so screwed. We can't, <laughs> we can't, we can't come back from two. This oh, sucks. <laughs> A championship season down the toilet, like down two. Just if you're down three, it's over. Watching the clock expire while a guy just dribbles, like this is exciting, <laughs> and we fix that. So maybe we, you know, maybe we do change the endings. I, I actually don't know, and, and maybe someday, you know, I, I don't think we're gonna ban the shift. I don't think we can ban intelligence in the game of baseball. Yeah. But we can certainly adjust it a little bit and say, hey, maybe this guy doesn't go here. Maybe that's a step too far. In the same way that it's a rule where if you're, you know, you can't stand over the fence, you can't stand in the seats and catch a home run, that's illegal. Maybe there are certain places on the field you can't go. Uh, football is legislated a high heaven, and everybody loves it. There's, you're offsides if you're an inch beyond the line. The Patriots won a Super Bowl because a Chiefs guy had his hand in the slightly wrong place three years ago. And so that's the sport everybody loves, right? So if you can if you can have that in the NFL, you can definitely have like some line of demarcation of baseball. Yeah, how many illegal formation penalties have negated touchdowns? What does that even mean? Some guy lined up a little bit closer to the tight end than he should have. Some guy was closer mm-hmm. to the line of scrimmage. It's like all arbitrary stuff. And we're talking. And hey, we're talking about something where MLB's like, we want to improve offense. We want the game to like pop. We want more stuff. So 
if you're not, I mean, maybe you're not of that philosophy. I don't really, I think the game is largely fine. I just think MLB needs to market better and they need to not do shit like this in an off season where they just had an international star put forth one of the greatest individual seasons of all time. And now we're forgetting about it because of what they're doing right now. So a lot of this stuff is self-inflicted. Um, and there is a beauty to baseball just being, you know, three and a half, four hours long and you're hanging out, watching it and not, you don't have to be fully dialed in like you do for a football game. For example, you miss a play in a football game. It's a lot different from missing a ground out in a baseball game. Um, so here it's, it's also relative. It's, you want to, you want to, you want to avoid having those two to one or one zero games more than great. You want to avoid watching the Rays just simulate to the end of the season and have 97 wins every year. Great. Like we can work on figuring it out and we can work on making the game less robotic um, and less predetermined because that's kind of what's happened. We like the, we like the unexpected surprising aspect of it all. Um, It creates more excitement and, uh, and a lot more fun and things should be more fun. It's a sport. It's just, it's a game. Yeah. I may be a sicko. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a Yankee fan. First and foremost, I care about the Yankees. So I want wins. I love baseball. I'll watch any form of baseball, two and a half hours, four and a half hours. I'm down, but whatever the, if, as long as the end result is the Yankees win, I don't care how it happens. If it's pouring rain in the top of the fifth inning, I am rooting for a quick ass bottom of the fifth. And then you call that game. I do not want to watch four innings in the rain. I do not want you to resume it later. So I can stay up till two in the morning and feel better about my win because it's six and a half hours long and I worked for it. I do not care. I just want to win baseball games. So ultimately whatever changes are made, I I want them to benefit my own team. Um, And I'm not, I'm a purist for sure. I can go watch anybody. I'll watch minor league baseball. If I'm in a new town, I want to go see a baseball team. Uh, I'll watch independent ball if I have to, but it's pretty weird and it feels kind of gross. And it's like everybody you remember from the 2009 Mets and you're like, (laughs) wait, that guy's 43 and he's living in Bridgeport, Connecticut. That actually stinks. Um, But I will go watch that again. I am a purist. I love baseball, but whatever helps my team the most and if if you got to if they change the rules so you can win in an hour and sprint to the finish line and whoever hits the last home run before the clock turns to eight o'clock, I'll be excited about that too as long as the Yankees are good at it. Yeah. Um. So that's my piece. Should we move on to one of the you called uh, out before we started? We only had three topics of discussion and like I don't know if you want to add more. I don't know if there's gonna be a long one, short podcast. We're thirty minutes in. We're on topic one. Yeah. So uh. So what what do you think now? It's great you though. Your- yeah. We don't need another topic. No more. We don't topics. need another topic. But let's go to let's go to Jose Ramirez, Um, because not because this is, you know, a realistic thing that we need to worry about right now. But because as as per usual, it's just a precursor to a future freakout. Jose Ramirez is not on the trade market right now, but when he gets placed on the trade market, will be the best hitter on the trade market. I don't know if it's going to be midway through the season. I don't know when it's going to happen. And I don't know if the the Guardians are just going to let him hit free agency. That doesn't sound very smart Mm, to me, but you never know. Maybe they just lose him for nothing. Uh, when he is traded, I'm going to keep it as a when, not an if. When he is traded, everybody should be all in. The smart teams, the rich teams, the teams with prospect capital, including the New York Yankees, who have a need in the infield all the time. Do not get fooled by the rocks that they got you. Urshela is not a, not a shortstop. I just made that up right now. How cool was that? Uh, but he plays third base. DJ LeMahieu plays second. Glaber plays second. I know it's weird, and I know none of these pieces necessarily fit, but you get a chance to get Jose Ramirez, you go ahead and get him. Uh, you, you just go ahead and grab him. So the Yankees should be involved in that mix. Precursor to problematic events. Not shocking. Jose Ramirez trade was mentioned in Buster Olney's column that included the Freddie Freeman nugget that everybody's working off of these days and that we're about to talk about in a second too. But stunningly, in what seems to be par for the course lately, and we've just all accepted it, 
Jose Ramirez will be on the trade market, and the teams that are floated as options for him are basically our, our, our sworn enemies. Uh, the Yankees are never involved, and their sworn enemies are always involved. It's like Jose Ramirez could get traded, and you know where he could go? Might go to the Red Sox, might go to the Blue Jays, might go to the Astros. Something I will never understand about the Yankees until they reverse course is why that doesn't make them angry. When your rivals are all in on one player, why don't you respond or join the fray? Yeah. Why are you just resigned to be like, yes, the Red Sox are going to get better. Oh, dip. I guess Jose Ramirez will be a Boston Red Sox or a Houston Astro. Nothing we could have done there, though. I, I mean, how, how sick are you just seeing gatherings of the teams that we should be outbidding just flocking to, to players that are available? That and teams getting creative, you know, they the Blue Jays move Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to first base. It's kind of opened up more possibilities for them. The Red Sox are open to moving Xander Bogarts over to second. That's going to open possibilities for them. Um, the Astros are the Astros. They're always doing stuff. And in this here, here's a scenario that actually scares me because you look at Jose Ramirez and people think he could be versatile. Um, he hasn't played second base since 2018. So I, I don't mm-hmm. think that teams are going to be looking to be like, oh, let's get Jose Ramirez. We'll, we'll plop him at second and that'll be the end of it. Um, I think they will have the option to use him there should there be an infield depth issue, um, should there be an injury um, of the sort. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the primary thing. So I think the Red Sox trading for him and putting him at second base for a full season isn't the greatest idea, but I am worried about the Astros. You want to know why? Because Alex Bregman can play shortstop. We're kind of forgetting that. I know he's played he's played mostly uh, third base for much of his career, um, but he played shortstop in 2017. He played shortstop in 2018, and he played a career high 65 games at shortstop in 2019. Um, so there is a possibility there, and I believe he came up as a shortstop, Alex Bregman, in the minors. Um, hmm. I could fact check it myself there because I'm on his baseball. I think that's right, but yeah, yeah I'll check that too. But um, yeah, so like that's – and the Yankees have kind of a need at third base if we're looking at it. If they're going to move – if they're going to move Gio Urshela to shortstop, then okay, I guess you figure maybe, yeah, uh, DJ LeMay who's going to play third. But is DJ LeMay going to play third base every day? Is that really what's going to happen? I don't think that's going to happen. I think DJ LeMay is going to be – emphasized as much as possible. He's going to see 145 games. I don't know what his role is going to be. I think he's going to ping pong around the infield like he did last year. Um, It's going to be an opportunity for them to get guys off their feet, to give guys days rest. Um, So if you're the Yankees and that's your plan and Jose Ramirez only costs prospects because he's making what, $12.5 million a year for the next two seasons. Mm -hmm. And that should be something you maybe do, but, and you look at the blue Jays, they need a third baseman. Jose Ramirez could fill the hole easily. I know they, they've plundered their own farm system a bunch um, by trading for uh, Jose Barrios, among other things. Uh, but, I mean, I think they can they, – they, the, there were other insiders talking about how that's a real possibility post-lockout. Post mm-hmm. um, and just the mere fact that insiders are mentioning other teams. So the Blue Jays have been linked. The Blue Jays tried to trade for Jose Ramirez, according to reports, um, at last year's deadline – and the Guardian said no. Um, but now we're looking at a scenario where I think it's getting a little bit more real that they need to trade him if they want to expedite this rebuild. They have 40, 38 million committed to next year's payroll. I don't know what the use of Jose Ramirez is there um, or Shane Bieber, quite frankly. Those guys are going to be gone in two, three years, and there's really mm-hmm. no sense in wasting their primes where they're not going to be able to succeed. Um, 
So uh, and then when you see when, when you see other rivals in the mix here with actual needs to fill, looking at the Astros um, or with the ability to get creative like the Red Sox, which they've been doing, then you're just like the Yankees ha- can make this work. It's something they can totally do. And like the the what seemed like a stretch to me was looking at trading for Matt Chapman to play him at shortstop when he's never played shortstop. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that? Why is that the creativity? It doesn't seem to make any sense. Why not just trade for the guy who's really good at baseball, who's a switch hitter, um, and you could play him at third base and then figure out whatever configurations exist beyond that. But yeah, I am sick of seeing everyone's mentioned in the fun shit, except for me, dude. Freddie Freeman is fun stuff. I am glad about that. But like, what else? Mm -hmm. I got nothing else. And even like, even trading for Giancarlo Stanton was really fucking cool. I remember the night. Yeah, it was a cool night. And I was so excited. But then like, I sit back in my chair and I'm like, didn't we need other shit? Like, this is fun. This is like getting, you know, just it's another luxury on top of a luxury, which is fine and cool. But like, why don't we get a need? That's also a luxury. I would love for that to kind of come to fruition. And it, 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 aside from Garrett Cole, which also felt like kind of a grimy transaction because Scott Boris is a grimy guy. Um, and it was a massive mm-hmm. overpay based on what he, you know, got the nationals to sign Steven Strasburg to like the day before or 20 hours before, um, mm-hmm. I just haven't felt that way in a while. I haven't felt that way. We're like, holy shit, we're upgrading at a position to meet and we're getting the best fucking player or we're getting like a top three player. And this is amazing. Now it's like, we're trying to s- shove a bunch of square pegs in a round hole and just, I don't even, I don't even know. Freddie Freeman is the one thing that I'm, that I'm excited about, but I just, it, it doesn't feel like it's exact. It's going to happen. It feels like, I, I don't know what it feels like, but I need something else in my life. Something else needs to spice this up post lockout. I don't necessarily need players gone. Um, I just need a more wholesome roster with more impact players at positions of importance. And I'm not getting it. Yeah. Wholesome, wholesome guys. And the first base one is, is the one where I feel like our needs are going to be met in some capacity. And again, if they're not, you can, you can throw something. You can, you can oh, throw yeah. a television. Alex Bregman, by the way, 2013 National Freshman of the Year by Baseball America and the 2013 Brooks Wallace Award as the country's best college shortstop. So it it, it stands to reason. That'll you piss watch me Alex off. Bregman play. You watch him play a third, and you go, "Yeah, that looks like a shortstop." Yeah. Like, there's nothing in, in Bregman's profile where I'm like, "Yeah, that guy's gonna suck at shortstop." Um, he's cool. He's a, he's a cool player. I, I wish I liked him more. I don't. <laughs> but to first base, uh, let's talk about Freddie Freeman real quick because. Everybody focused on the report and fixated on Freeman gone. Freeman gone yeah. from Atlanta Braves. Freddie Freeman leaving Atlanta Braves. Gone. Signs point to Freddie Freeman leaving Braves. Freeman, when free agency ends or begins, Braves gone. He gone. And we're like, great. That's very, you know, that that's insightful. And we know the Yankees are put. We, we lost a viewer while I was doing that. I bet they thought I was glitching out. Um, but Freddie Freeman. <laughs> this guy reading uh, headlines. <laughs> you know, this guy actually is real stupid. <laughs> he's been talking for 20 minutes, but now he's just yelling the word gone. <laughs> Um, I've decided his brain doesn't work. Uh, I, I, yeah, we know the Yankees are going to make a run at Freddie Freeman. We've known that for a while, whenever and wherever his, his free agency hits us. And we've heard more and more that if, and when the lockout is lifted, I'm still saying if, because I just don't know that there's going to be a frenzy of epic proportions. I understand that. And weirdly the, the Buster only report this week that was like, Freeman leaving the Braves more realistic than you think came with the baked in assumption that like Freeman's going to be one of those first guys to go yeah. that you actually can't wait around for Freeman. Cause 
And we, I think we all know that people are talking behind the scenes, even when they shouldn't be. When Brian Snicker says he hasn't talked to Freeman, that's actually not just him following the rules. It actually might be bad news because I think a lot of people are talking to Freddie Freeman right now. Uh, and so all this is to pile up that he, he's not going to wait around like Correa and Story. He's not going to try to steal every dollar. And it, he also probably knows the dollar figures already because I think he's going to be done like day one. Yeah. So the Yankees are going to make a run at him. Great. And we know the Braves are only offering him five years. Great. So it seems like the easiest way to secure his services is to outbid the Dodgers or just hope that he prefers pinstripes to what the Dodgers have to offer. But the contract floated in this article says, well, the Dodgers don't want to give him that six year either. And you're like, great. So the Yankees could just do that and he'll come. It posits that the Dodgers could go short term, more expensive, focused on uh, you know piling up payments in the short term. So like a, instead of a six-year deal, a four-year contract worth $140 million. Now, that is possible. If he wants to come home to California, maybe he will accept four years of security for more money because the Braves offer is 5 mm. which is just not long enough and not enough money. If he wants 4 140 and, and there's a reason I'm hearing that from an agent, then that's great. The Yankees are not doing that. The, if the Yankees sign Freddie Freeman, it will be a six-year deal. It will be because they stretched it out and no one else was willing to stretch it out because that's what they did with DJ LeMahieu. That's what they do whenever they're confronted by free agents. They try to lower the AAV as much as possible by stretching it out well beyond the confines of what's expected. So if Freeman wants security and the fifth versus six-year thing that the Braves just won't do is the real sticking point, then the Yankees are going to win the bidding because if the Dodgers aren't going to do it, the Braves aren't going to do it. We're the only ones who will. But if a four-year, $140 million deal is both possible and preferable, then he's not coming here because the Yankees are never going to structure their offer that way. No, I think you're totally right. And I, it's even more pertinent because you look at the Yankees' payroll right now and you have Stanton, Cole, LeMahieu, and Hicks making up the top of the payroll for the next four seasons. So if they're going to sign Freddie Freeman to a four-year deal that pays him $35 million a year, and then you factor in an Aaron Judge extension, and then you factor in, I guess, what you're going to maybe do with Luis Severino if he manages to rebound this year, um, and then you factor in getting a, a more relievers and more starters, then, yeah, it's going to be a very bloated payroll for the next four years. And with so much uncertainty surrounding the CBT, I don't think the Yankees are going to want to do that. Um, and how about the Braves, dude? If that offer is true, because, you know, it, it's, it's buzz, it's rumors, it's reports, clearly they did something that Freeman is miffed by. And if that is the offer, you got to be pissed at that. He essentially signed for the same dollar amount on his eight-year deal and was making $17 million a year over the course of the last mm-hmm. seven or eight years um, as arguably the best first baseman in the game um, consistently over time. And then it culminated in a World Series and broke a very longstanding drought. Or eh, fairly longstanding. 1995 wasn't that terrible. Um, yeah, fairly long. Yeah, it's, it's enough. Um, and had, you know, so many clutch hits throughout that and kept the team together while they lost two of their best players, two of the best players, and Mike Soroka and Ronald Acuna and Marcelo Zuna, mm-hmm. who was excommunicated after what he had done. Um, so that's embarrassing, especially we talked about before they have Acuna under a $100 million contract for eight years. They have Ozzy Albies under a seven year, $40 million deal or something out of this world. So like, you're going to have to give up money for somebody. And it's not like you're in, it's not like you're penny pinching in a small market. You're in Atlanta. I think you're, you're pretty damn good. Um, so if that is true, that that's terrible. 
But yeah, I mean, this could work out in one of two ways. If the Dodgers actually don't want to go long-term, which I don't know why they wouldn't um, because their payroll clears up very, very nicely either after 2023. It depends what they want to do because they have a lot of team options that they could easily decline on. I think um, it's Justin Turner. um, It's Blake Trinan. um, And it's Max Muncie. So it depends how they perform, but the Dodgers can be, the Dodgers can clear payroll and Trevor Bauer ain't coming back, dude. I don't care. Really care what anyone says. Mm-hmm. Um, they are going to have a lot of space. So the net, the only people signed after 2024 guaranteed any money are Chris Taylor and Mookie Betts in LA. So I don't understand why they wouldn't want to do long-term um, especially for a guy like Freeman, who would be a great mentor to younger players with these guys coming up the pipeline there. Anyway, that's uh, I think that's a, if, if that's the case, and um, Freeman doesn't want a short-term deal. I do think it, it's either going to work drastically against the Yankees or it's going to help them a lot. That's, that's the, there's no middle ground here. There's no, I don't think there's going to be any outbidding. I don't think there's going to be any, um, mm-hmm. anything of that sort. I think the money is going to be in a certain range um, and the years are going to be in a certain range. And Fre- Freeman is just going to want what he prefers in terms of security um, or in terms of higher AAV, he doesn't strike me as a higher AAV guy. He strikes me as a guy who just wants to be locked down and make the money that he is, he, he is owed. Um, so it could benefit the Yankees. But then again, like I just said, with their payroll, it is complicated because you have Stanton. Jesus, dude. Starting in 2023, it's going to be Stanton, Cole, LeMahieu, Hicks, and they are going to combine to make 68, 78, $93 million. Mm-hmm. That's four players. And two of those dudes might not be starters. Yeah. And then you factor in a judge extension. My judge extension, by the way, is seven years for 210. It's $30 million a year. I think it's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, he can eventually um, he can eventually be at least traded, or Stanton can be at least traded to be a DH elsewhere, and judge can be the DH if, you know, when his mid, mid-30s come around and defense is not really plausible anymore. Um, but, yeah, the payroll situation for the Yankees is very complicated um, because it – marginally goes down over the next three seasons. Um, it's going to be hard to cut it, not, not cut, but it's going to be hard to shave any of that down because I, I don't think Eric Cole's going anywhere. I don't think John Carlos Stanton's going anywhere um, unless DJ LeMay, has an unbelievable bounce back season. I don't think he would, they would a want him to go anywhere. B many teams would still mm-hmm. be totally interested in trading for that contract. And Aaron Hicks is immovable in my opinion, unless they eat money. Um, so yeah, weird, weird stuff. There, there, there's gonna keep there's there these little nuggets are gonna keep coming out. They're gonna create keep creating different points of conversation. Um, we just gotta keep our we gotta keep our heads on straight and we gotta plow forward because that's the only thing that's gonna get us out of the lockout, baby. Um, I still think Freeman is a loyalty guy, which I mean that's why yeah. nobody thought he was gonna leave Atlanta, and so that's why I'm still inclined to believe six years will do it rather than some weird mess around shorter deal. I mean, if that's Atlanta's offer that that isn't just like, Hey, it's reasonable. Think about it. You love Atlanta. That is insulting. And he's somebody who signed like the Evan Longoria deal, right? The like, I'm a child. So I'm going to sign a contract as a kid deal and is now playing off that. That's what Acuna signed. That's what the Braves want to do to you. And so the fact that they can't give him a raise on that, it's like, dude, just bull town, Uh, figure it out later. Um, and I would be excited. That's why I keep saying I do think the first base addition is the one that excites us at a position of need. I think it's it's still Freeman or Olsen. If it's not them, it's not exciting. But there is no greater guarantee in the world than if the Yankees do sign Freddie Freeman, 
Luke Voigt's going to out OPS him for the first two months of the season. That's a guarantee. At least. That's an absolute guarantee. He'll be obviously worse on defense, but he'll be on some pseudo contender that's playing above their heads, and he'll be OPSing 880. And everyone will go, wow, Yankees, you're too stupid to see Luke Voigt. After he was our starter for like three years, everybody's like, God, you got to upgrade that. that. That guy's terrible. Um, so people are great. Yankees baseball is great. I'm both sad that we don't have spring training and happy that I'm not randomly finding out about a pitcher who's out for the year on February 24th. Um, Although I guess Brandon Beck, who had Tommy John, our second rounder from last year, technically qualifies. So congrats to the Yankees on still uh, coming up with a couple injuries to tide us over while we wait for the baseball lockout to end. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as live on YouTube and Twitter. 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays for now, all during the lockdown. Leave us a five-star review along with the mailbag queue on Apple Podcasts, and we'll be sure to respond to it if you got a good one for us. Thomas Carinante, you can find me if you're looking for me. I don't think you yeah, are, yeah. but I'm at Adam Reiner on Twitter. And then if you need people to find you, uh, where would they go? And also why? Why would they go to find you? I don't know why they would go to find me, um, but I would go to Twitter.com and I'd search at Tommy's underscore takes. That's just what I would. That would get it I done. I mean, good. what else would people find if they did that, honestly? I don't know. I really don't know. We could look probably some of my old hot takey articles calling out various sports cities for my hatred towards them. Um, yeah. Fun things. It's usually fun stuff. Um, but God damn it, people, if there's any time to submit a mailbag question, are you kidding me? Are you actually <laughs> kidding me? You can ask anything, anything you want. It's not like this. The, 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 there's no hyper focus at this point. You can, you, we can talk about whatever you want, any mailbag. Um, and you can also head on over to yanksyard.com. Plenty of written content there for you. Um, we're really throwing stuff at the walls. It's great. Um, expanding the brain, expanding the possibilities. Cause that's all what life is. Why are we here? We're here for a finite amount of time and we're just going to sit here and accept stuff for as it is. No, we're going to think we're going to expand and we're going to grow. Um, you can talk to us on the Yanks Yard Twitter account at Yanks Yard FS. Um, and most importantly, you can enjoy your damn weekend because that's what this is all about. It's about enjoying life, mm-hmm. having fun, um, and making sure your downtime is used wisely. Um, so rest up, recharge the batteries, let out that good old energy, and we'll talk to you again on Monday, everyone. That's how you know it's the 47th minute of a Yankees podcast because it gets down to, you know, be here now. Enjoy <laughs> the time that you have left on this earth. Uh, we will see you on Monday. We'll see you at the end of the lockout. Hopefully those two dates coincide. See you, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.